Welcome to episode 29 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Friday the 27th of September 2019. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and I am joined again by Mr. Rob Lewis. Hello. And in this episode, we are, of course, going to be talking about the Google September core update. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the new rich snippet controls Google has released, as well as yet another update to Google Search Console. We were going to actually do some listener Q&A this, this episode. We asked for some, some of your questions at the beginning of the week and we got some, but then Google went and dropped a core update. So we're going to cover that first and most likely do the Q&A next episode. Well, here we are again, Rob. Yes, episode 29B. 29B. So we've already recorded this episode and there was a catastrophic failure of Audacity uh, being able to save. So here we are again on take two and we really know what we're going to say this time. Yes. <laughs> so uh, kickoff notice. I just want to say uh, firstly, well, big thank you to everyone who is actually deciding to subscribe and listen to this podcast. I mentioned on kind of social media the other day, we had an inquiry come through to us for someone looking for some PBC and they actually mentioned, hey, we listened to the podcast and it was one of the factors that pushed us over the line to come speak to you, which was great because I didn't actually expect it to have that kind of impact. Um, I'm well aware because it was PBC, Rob, it was probably things you've been talking about and not me. Um, happy to help before yeah before i let that go to my head um but someone actually someone else did kind of um comment and say they tested out the podcast on they were doing like a session at their work where they were getting people to listen together to podcasts at lunches like an education thing and search with candor was the only one that everyone unanimously liked which was really cool to hear i'm well aware there are probably people that don't like it as well but either way i you know would love to have your feedback you can get to us on social media or just email me directly at mark at withcandor.co.uk and if you think of something you want to hear more of let us know or if you think something could do with improving i.e you think it's rubbish let us know as well because both both sides are really really helpful cool so um the first thing i want to cover today is the google rich snippet kind of control update and this was a blog post that they put live on again their google webmaster blog which i'll link to in the show notes uh, the show notes are at search.withcanda.co.uk that will get you to basically all of the episodes and if you can go into any of them we'll have the show notes links and transcriptions so a word on transcriptions as well <clears throat> the person who helped me uh, well, it's unfair to say helped. He was just doing them <laughs> uh, with the transcripts. Uh, Ayush has uh, followed the gold brick road to London. So he's no longer with us doing these transcriptions, um, which makes me very sad. I haven't had time to do them myself. I know there's other options available. So, I mean, the way we were actually doing them was um, using some of YouTube's uh, auto captioning to to get it started and then rewriting them to be a bit more helpful and include images and stuff like that. 
I don't have time to do that at the moment. Um, it will happen again soon. I'm aware there's a little bit of a backlog. I didn't actually think that many people were using the transcriptions and I've had three people contact me about the last episode saying, yo, where are the, where are the transcriptions? So that really surprised me. Um, so the transcriptions will come back. Um, I'm aware there are services like Rev where they're super cheap. You can pay like, a, I think it's like a dollar a minute for human done transcriptions, but they're not the same because they're not organized in the way we did it. And I just think if we're going to do it, we should do it well. Anyway, I went off on a tangent there. Um, yeah, so the first thing I want to talk about is the Google Rich Snippet Control Update, which they posted an announcement for on their blog on Tuesday. So it's the 24th. Last It'll be last week when this podcast goes out. And this this feature isn't live yet. Google said this is going live in mid to late October. So we've actually got about a month to implement this, if you so wish. Um, so what it actually does, rather than, so sometimes I go through the Google announcement with you and pick it apart. It's quite a long post, in my opinion, that doesn't say too much. So I'm just going to hopefully give you a helpful summary of it. So what this feature does is it allows you to control how your rich snippet data is displayed in Google search. So rich snippet data is when Google is kindly taking a part of somebody's website, their website content, and putting it directly into the search result. So this is part of their uh, multifaceted quest to become an answers engine where they're just answering your question, your intent immediately in search. So we've actually always had the option for quite a long while now to just opt out of having your websites give rich snippet results using the no snippet tag. But what this update does is it gives um, an extra well, an extra use to the no snippet tag, a more specific use, and there's some extra tags you can use as well. So you get this more granular control. So I'll go through them. So Google's given us a max snippet and then you specify a number. And this is a new meta tag that lets you specify a maximum text length in characters of a snippet for your page. So you can limit how much Google can show in a rich snippet result. You have to be quite careful, I think, on that because there is a minimum before Google won't show the rich snippet. And I don't think that's defined. Um, feel free to correct me on that if I'm wrong. I don't think it's defined as a minimum what they need for a rich snippet, but keep it sensible. They've also given us max video preview. Again, you specify a number for this, and that number is the seconds of the maximum duration of an animated video preview. So if you've got a video, you can say, okay, I've got this really great, you know, it's one minute 20 video, but I only want you to show up to 30 seconds of it. And lastly, there is a max image preview, which takes a setting, not a number. And that's a meta tag that lets you specify the maximum size of an image preview uh, for images on the page. And you can say either none, standard or large. Um, being slightly cynical, I'm not sure this is kind of something webmasters have been uh, chewing at the bit to get hold of. I feel this might be a move to respond to various kind of um, antitrust cases and whatnot Google's facing at the moment in regard to them essentially taking people's web content, which they've normally had to pay to get or pay someone to write for them, and essentially 
circumnavigating their site, their platform, and just providing that for free on Google search and actually monetizing it as well, because it's that content that people are trying to get hold of and they're on Google to get that content. And then Google's showing them ads, which are essentially monetizing other people's content without them getting a bit, obviously. So they have positioned themselves in a win-win in that they can say, well, you know, if you don't want us taking your content, you can opt out and actually you can control it at quite a granular level. Um, but for those people who do want to do that, the option is there. Um, and of course, the argument is that that always kind of circular comes around with this is that it is what users want in that, you know, people want their answer as quickly as possible, as frictionless as possible. So they will always, you know, users are never going to be like, oh, I wish I had to click on that site to get the answer. And if you don't want to provide that answer in the SERP, someone else will. Um, there is a another change they've given us with the no snippet becoming an HTML attribute now. So before you could opt out completely with no snippet, but they've got a new HTML attribute, which means you can actually specify specific parts of your page or content that you don't want to appear as a rich snippet, which is quite useful. Uh, so they've given an example um, in the docs where they just want one particular part of a sentence not to appear um, in the snippet. Now, I was trying to think of some use cases for this before I came uh, and recorded the podcast. And one that occurred to me that I think we'll probably see happen just because I know how SEO people's minds operate is I would guess that some people are going to use this kind of inline data no snippet to maybe prevent people from getting the precise answer they need in the rich snippet. So when Google shows the result, you can kind of snip off the end bit, the, the, the actual kind of bit of information that completes the puzzle. So they have to click on the rich snippet result to get to the page to, to read that. Now, I'm not suggesting, firstly, that's speculation, but I'm sure someone will do it. Secondly, I'm not suggesting that's a good idea. I think what will happen is Google obviously has a, a way to measure what they think is a useful rich snippet or not. So they'll be looking at things like if people actually need to click on it, if they're clicking on other results because they're not getting the answer they need, or whether they're doing the search, reading the answer, and then from the next searches, you can ascertain that they were probably satisfied with the information they got in that snippet. If if you believe that to be true, which I think makes a lot of sense, and there's evidence for that, the logical step is that if you purposely make your snippet less useful, that it's highly likely Google will replace it with someone else's snippet. Are you suggesting that people sometimes manipulate Google for their own ends, Mark? Is that what you're <laughs> suggesting? Something like that. Okay. So I I would hope. So my um, I actually have a I actually have a golden rule for SEO, which I discuss with many clients, which is that, in my opinion, if you're doing SEO correctly, there is absolutely nothing you should do that detracts from the user experience. So that strategy, to me, I would never recommend it because to me, that detracts from the user experience. Mm -hmm. And yes, while I kind of just mentioned, you may get more clicks in the short term, my view would be in the long term, you would lose that snippet. Um, and then you would be in a worse position than when you started because you may have been getting some before, people wanted more detail, people would be 
being exposed to your brand, providing that answer. The rich snippet likely would have been used, um, can be used by other you know, devices like uh, intelligent personal assistants. So they can say, you know, this is the answer, it came from here. So if you make it less useful, you're gonna lose all of that. So, um, <laughs> you know, manipulating is an mm. interesting choice in words. <laughs> um, I mean, that's why it's called SEO optimizing and not SEM manipulating, I guess. <laughs> um, Another interesting thing about this uh, new feature is Google is treating it as a directive, not a hint. So Google tends to classify things um, like this, the way you can, as a webmaster, specify things as directives or hints. Directives are generally things they just obey, and hints are things they take under consideration but may ignore. So, for instance, the canonical tag where you can specify to Google that this page is just like a pretty much the same, you know, page B is pretty much the same as page A, so kind of ignore it. Google says, fine, thanks for letting us know that, but we're gonna analyze both those pages, we're gonna look at our own signals, and we're gonna come to our own conclusion as to whether we take that on board and action it or not. So this is actually a directive. So it's kind of as you'd expect, um, again, you know, it's your content, if you don't want it shown as rich snippets, that's your uh, prerogative. Um, bear in mind as well, when we talk about rich snippets, they are very separate from normal, what we call organic results. So rich snippets we generally refer to as position zero. So they're the featured boxes at the top of the result most of the time. And the organic results are kind of the fast fading one to 10 blue links. Um, they are quite separate systems, it seems, in that if you did decide to opt out of having featured snippets, you know, this isn't going to affect your normal organic ranking. Although obviously you may get less traffic because you're not featured at the top. They're not things that seem to be connected in, in any particular way. As far as we know as well, um, and as far as I know, again, happy to be corrected if anyone knows different, this new feature isn't currently supported by any other search engine. So Bing isn't supporting it at the minute. It seems to be Google has come up with and is the only one offering support for these uh, tags. In terms of implementation, I will link to the developer docs in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. But for the tags we mentioned, so the image preview, video preview, and max snippets, you can deliver them. You can actually deliver them through the XRobots header. Um, that may not mean anything to you, may be more familiar with the on-page meta tags, which can be used, so the, the meta robots. And that means we can inject them in the normal ways we do that, whether it's hard-coded into the page or whether you want to use something like Google Tag Manager, you can put them on with JavaScript. Although again, um, as we've talked about before, if you do start adding these directives in with JavaScript, it means that Google needs to process the JavaScript before they'll be seen and therefore obeyed. And we've done experiments before where we've seen it can take over three weeks from when a page gets indexed until Google finally gets around to processing the JavaScript because that's resource intensive for them. So if possible, um, if you're going to use them as meta tags, just put them directly on the page. Uh, so that's going live, as we said, mid to late October. So you've got three, four, five weeks to prepare for that now. So four, four weeks now.
got a short and sweet update from uh, Google Search Console. We've had a couple of these recently. So last episode, we were talking about the uh, breadcrumb update that's in uh, in Search Console, so you can diagnose any issues with uh, breadcrumbs. And they did a blog post again on the Google Webmaster blog that has announced uh, fresher data in your site's search performance report. And unsurprisingly, Google said that this is the user's number one feature request, which was improved data freshness. So this update basically just means that we can now see data as recent as less than a day old. And previously, so up until now, we've had to wait a few days, like two, three, four days before data within Google Search Console was refreshed, um, which kind of made it difficult to use in some situations as a diagnostic tool. Um, if, for instance, you're doing a site migration, you put the new site live and you're desperately trying to check to the best of your ability if everything's working correctly, you don't have any errors, having to wait another few days for uh, a direct line from Google as to if it's having issues is, is difficult. So it's really great that we've got that. It's been combined actually with some uh, other updates we've had over the last months to Google Search Console. So again, one of the big ones is longer data retention. So all of these things make it more useful as a as a tool to use daily. We actually spoke in the um, the version A of episode twenty nine about shadow IT, um, which was a term I don't think you'd you'd come I across before. I haven't heard of it before. No, and uh, in fairness, I'm very new to it. Someone introduced it to me only a few months ago, and you know I've worked with computers pretty much all my life, but I wouldn't say I kind of work in IT. Um, and the way they described it to me, if you haven't heard of the, the term shadow IT as well, is basically when you get a problem within an organization that can basically be fixed by a technology IT software solution, but there isn't like an off-the-shelf package or SaaS or whatever to do that, then people cobble together their own solutions or sign up to their own um, kind of third-party arbitrary tools to fix that problem. And the company as a whole kind of isn't aware that thing exists and I certainly think there's a lot of shadow IT solutions to um, Google search console in the past so there's I've seen all kinds of scripts and tools people use to archive the data because before to begin with you'd only get like 30 days data and then it was gone forever and this has been extended and extended um, so having all these updates with more fresh data storing it for longer certainly is going to make it as a standalone tool more helpful which is great we did see the sunsetting uh, of the old Google Search Console interface um, a few weeks ago now, um, much to the upset of many SEOs. We haven't quite seen all of the features from the old Search Console migrated into the new ones, and there's certainly some concerns about some of the data in the new Search Console. It's a little bit um, more opaque in cases. Um, there's some interesting examples where figures seem to be very different wildly different or, or just kind of wrong um so <clears throat> again that's probably to be honest a, a trend i think i've seen with google over the years about taking a little bit of power away from webmasters but giving them different types of tool um, but generally i think it's a you know go take the rough with the smooth and uh, it, it's a useful update it's really good we can we can get that uh, data now
And of course, we are going to talk about the Google September core update. I'm kind of disappointed now that we've got this naming convention. Um, so before uh, the earliest kind of Google updates, I remember were called stuff like Florida um, and Big Daddy <laughs> and things like this. And then we've, we've been through some animal names. We obviously had everyone knows pretty much about penguin and panda and hummingbird and stuff like this. And we seem to be settled now on um, these very dry names. So the official announcement of the September core update, and I, I do appreciate Google giving us these updates. So, you know, they don't have to do this. And norm, the, the kind of tradition before has been Google's drop an update and don't really say anything. And then lots of things change and then people come together in collective panic and realize that there has been an update because everyone else is panicking or celebrating. So I do appreciate they give us these um, the, this heads up, even if it isn't very long. Um, it doesn't need to be long because basically there's nothing you can do because they're not telling you exactly what the update is. So this, the um, Search Liaison account on the 24th of September said, later today, we are releasing a broad core algorithm update as we do several times per year. It is called the September 29 core update. Our guidance about such updates remain as we've covered before. Please see this blog for more about that. It does irritate me, as I said before, that Google call it a blog and not a blog post. But hey, that tweet itself even is a copy and paste of the one we saw in June where they said exactly the same thing, but they replaced the word September with June. They've obviously had a change in policy where they are going to make webmasters aware ahead of time. There is something to take from this again, though, which is if you do read the blog post, they will talk about the fact that this is a core algorithm update, meaning if you find your site goes kind of down in the rankings after this, that this doesn't mean that there's a specific problem with your site you need to fix. And there's this blurred line that I see danced across a lot where people get confused between Google penalties and core updates. So I think it's worth just going over this once more. Um, we did a whole episode as well on uh, all about Google penalties. I think it was number 16. I'll link to it in the show notes um, if you want to check that out. But there is an important um, difference here and it's worth reflecting on. So if we have one of these core updates and you find that, oh no, I've lost, you know, I've lost loads of rankings. That's not because you are specifically suddenly doing anything wrong. What it is, is that Google has tweaked their algorithm, obviously, to um, get closer to their end goal of the type of sites they want to rank for certain queries. And it's been deemed basically that other sites now fit those criteria better than you do. So you haven't moved down, everyone else or those competitors have moved up. And the result of that is the water's risen around you, so you are now lower. Whereas a manual action is, or pen, Google penalty, is when just your site is affected. And from, from the inside, the effect looks the same, which is, oh no, you know, we've lost our rankings. But the, the kind of paradigm is completely different because no other sites were affected. If you get a manual penalty, that's specifically targeted at your site and you have been demoted everyone else has stayed the same whereas a core update applies to everyone so it's everyone else going up 
or, or at least more people going up around you than than down. So the the impact is still the same. So I really think it's worth um, thinking about that because I've seen lots of people after these updates be like, oh no, we've lost rankings. What is it we need to fix? We need to do an audit. What What is it we can fix? And generally the answer is there isn't one specific thing you need to fix. It's you need to look at what your competitors are doing differently. Why are they ranking better? Look at the um, things like the Google search quality guidelines and just have a think about what they're doing. Because the likelihood is there's going to be a whole roadmap of stuff you need to improve over time. So in the um, in our A version recording, Rob and I had a we had a discussion about this. What what was it you'd asked me? I think I I said um, playing devil's advocate, even though even though there isn't technically anything wrong the advertiser's doing, they're still going to want to react to it to get traffic up and to compensate. Yeah, so if they've lost their, like... Yeah, yeah like so if they lost it? a search query, this, for example, they, yeah, they had a core search it? query that was generating revenue for them and that suddenly stops, they're going to want to get that revenue stream back. How yeah. can they revert that? Yeah, so that's what we spoke about, wasn't it? So it was actually talking about, look, if that has happened to you, you need to kind of get it out of your head that you can just reverse this because the algorithm has updated. It's not something you've changed. Um, and it's going to be a combination of many things. Now, as more information does come out about the update, it may be that we, you know, you've 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 approached this. So we 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 spoke to Tomaszewski a couple of episodes ago from User Story about how SEOs can improve sites by taking this user experience approach um, because you'll hit a lot of kind of things Google are looking for without even realizing it rather than trying to take this bottom-up approach of checkboxing things that at least you know impact it. So it might be as we get more information about the update that we know it's looking more closely at some certain factors. So it might help in prioritization, but the general approach needs to be, look, it's the algorithm update. You can't reverse that. There's not going to be a sudden fix. You've essentially got two roads to go down. One is the kind of analysis of why your competitors doing better than you what's their user experience like what's their content like etc and building a roadmap for that prioritizing it maybe around what we know about the algorithm update and the other is there is some short-term stuff we can do you know all the basics about you know marketing digital pr producing great content doing outreach getting links you know upping the amount you're doing with that you know links still play a part in google's algorithm we still day in day out see websites that win decent links get better rankings so there is things you know you can do in the short term but it's not this this view of what's the problem to fix it's more what can we improve and what order should we do it in so we've got we actually have got some data so um about the the core update which is why we kind of elected to speak about it because we tend not to talk about these things until we've seen something and Systrix did a so I spoke to Systrix yesterday and they said they were putting a blog post out this morning which they have um, about the update um, I really like what Systrix is doing at the minute they've been really on the ball um, with interacting with the community and sharing their their data on on these updates so as usual they've they've published like a winners and losers list so we can see you know, which sites have really gained from this update and which sites um, have lost out. Interestingly, overall, like we saw back in June, it looks like primarily health and news sites have been affected, which to me says it's likely to be like a tweak of this core update they did in June. 
And another reason to think that is in June, we spoke about the Daily Mail site, uh, much to some people's glee, had lost, I think it was like 50% of their organic traffic overnight. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, n- about 90% of the Discover traffic. And it turned out that it was actually their SEO director on the uh, Google uh, help forums trying to get to the bottom of it. There was no help available. And, you know, all the tools make it look like they've just kind of slogged out this traffic loss so they have actually been a big winner in this in this update uh it looks like their traffic's bounced back it's doubled um so they seem to be back in where you know they they believe they should be um other sites as i said have been so that's one reason actually why i think it might be a tweak of the old um core update or the old i say it's old it's only june but the Mm. previous core update the other winners and losers on the Systrix list were quite interesting. So they listed three health sites and two on the losers list, which were uh, verywellhealth.com and organicfacts.net. Now, um, so Rob smiled when I read out these domains because probably like me, when you see domains like that and you, you're a heavy web user, you kind of get a sixth sense for the quality of the site you're going to go to based sometimes on the domain I'm name. I'm surprised it wasn't a .biz extension, <laughs> to be honest. So, um, so I had a look at these sites and actually, you know, to be blunt, very sorry, very well health and organic facts, they didn't look great to me. You know, and they're health sites and health sites fall under... Um, what Google call um, your money or your life category of sites, which is a categorization of sites where it's very important that the information is correct or actual harm can be caused. So there's kind of a different level of um, kind of vetting, if you like, or um, scrutiny, I should say, on those types of sites, because it is obviously important if you're Googling something and it gives you a terrible result, um, you know, and it's telling you to do something, you know, medical that can cause you harm. Google needs to, you know, keep an eye on that. So when I looked at these sites, you know, they, they didn't look terrible by any means, but they certainly didn't look what I would expect to see from, from a high quality site in the medical area. So I was like, okay, maybe they've done a good job here. Cause certainly in the June update, uh, we, I was looking at the lists of medical sites that had big losses and when I was going through them I was just like yeah good 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 because some of these are really bad uh sites and you know some they're just it's not true essentially what's in some of them mm-hmm. so I was like they're doing a good job so and then I looked at the winner uh one of the winners which was patient.info and obviously dot dot, uh, dot info tld makes the hair on your neck stand up <laughs> so um I looked at it and to be fair, it looks really similar to the loser organicfacts.net in terms of it to me looks like a pretty off the shelf temp blog kind of template site. Um, the categories and everything look like they've been designed primarily with search in mind rather than the user. Like it's not a bad site again, but it it didn't look, you know, it didn't look massively different at, at first glance, at least to one of the losers. Um, and one thing I made as an observation and i'm not suggesting this is correlated it was just an observation obviously i can't use my sample set of three here but the two loser sites um very well health and organic facts when i looked at them both of those had affiliate links on them um, and they were very upfront about it in fairness they had a page explaining that 
Um, they received commission for some of the links and here's how it worked. But the patient.info, which was the site that saw the big increase, didn't have affiliate links. They did have advertising, which is arguably the same thing. Um, arguably not as well. Um, but they didn't seem, at least on the look I took, to have affiliate links. And that just gave me some food for thought around, again, the category of your money, your life sites, health sites, users being able to trust content, trust recommendations when the webmaster or the person producing the content is obviously getting commission um, for selling products or services. The other thing uh, of note in the Systrix summary, so their blog post, and again, I'll, I'll link to the Systrix blog post in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk, was they tailed it off with in Germany and Spain. We've also seen some examples from the travel industry, so travel type websites. So it'll be interesting, again, as this folds out, because we're still really early on. We tend with these algorithm updates to see big sites get impacted first because they have much bigger footprints um, in the kind of link graph. So a lot of this stuff does have some, um, normally there's some overlap with how link profiles are analyzed. So we tend to see this effect on big sites first, and then it trickles its way, its way down across the web. So it's only been three days. So it'll be really interesting maybe next week to catch up, see what new data has come out. Um, but again, like the, like the kind of last podcast we did on this, there's not, a massive amount you can do right now so just hold still when when we were actually um, when i was thinking about and researching this uh, the data on this update i was thinking oh you're quite lucky rob um because you don't kind of have to deal with <laughs> algorithm updates but then i remembered we did have a conversation a few weeks ago about you dealing with kind of like behind the scenes google ads updates like yeah. algorithm updates how Google Ads is working. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to explain. Um, but when you've been working with Google Ads or AdWords for so long, um, you see things that used to work in the background no longer working. And I'm not talking about changes to the interface or changes to the behavior of website traffic. I'm talking about things that you used to do within the interface itself in order to generate impressions or clicks no longer working at all so you have to stop doing that entirely because it literally doesn't generate a single impression so for example um about seven or eight years ago it used to be good practice to add really long tail niche keywords to target because they would be low traffic but high conversion and all of a sudden those types of keywords you'd no longer be able to add to the account because google would put a block on showing um, ads unless there's a significant volume of people searching for them. So that things like that suddenly overnight would stop working. So you think all of these long tail niche campaigns stopped generating impressions entirely. So you'd have to trial a different tactic to, to capture the long tail searches. That's just one example. Um, but there's lots of things that would literally stop working or not work as well, not drive as much traffic. So you'd have to work around them and I guess you could call them changes to the Google Ads algorithm that happen in the background, which aren't announced. But if you work in pay-per-click day in, day out, then the manager will notice it. They'll notice that that doesn't work anymore. You have to change that and you have to react to it. Yeah, the, the attitude on the organic updates tends to be Google will say, okay, we're making this update, whatever, and it 
the chips are going to fall as they may basically mm. with with your websites and it it doesn't affect google immediately and directly in the revenue that they generate so the quality of the organic results is paramount to google so they did over 100 billion dollars last year in advertising revenue primarily because google choose uh, sorry because people choose to use google because it gives good results mm. so if they get bad results obviously they wouldn't have the audience for the platform but in the short term if they you know if the daily mail loses or gains traffic it kind of doesn't affect how much revenue google's generating whereas i guess if they were to be very uh, specific about the updates they were making maybe to google ads platform that's going to change account managers behavior so if they now say oh we're looking at this or this works like this you're obviously going to to the best of your ability going to optimize towards that which could then have some interesting effects i guess on how much revenue they generate very immediately absolutely and i know in one of the previous podcasts we discussed one of the um i'm going to call it a shadow update one of the the, the like the, our shadow it exactly um they made the update to the location targeting where they basically broadened up to the location targeting options so you no longer can just target by people in a specific area it would broaden it up to target people who have also regularly or recently been in that area. Um, that is what I would call a brazen update that, you know, is quite an obvious change that eventually will get announced. Um, but there are these, these shadow updates, I guess, that Google probably make behind the scenes um, that don't really impact advertisers a great deal, or maybe they don't even impact the pay-per-click manager a great deal, but will influence revenue for Google, I guess. They'd probably have a team of people there whose sole job is to incrementally make these minor changes to the Google Ads algorithm that that will maybe increase revenue by 0.025%. But when you're talking Which about still billions... still more money than I'll see in my life. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, these are things to consider. Yeah, so, I mean, that makes perfect sense that they'd have um, people essentially looking at, you know, if we're not... It's not negatively impacting advertisers. There's no reason why they wouldn't want to optimize their platform to generate them as much money as possible because that's the business, you know, that they're in, isn't it? That, mm. That's the reason why that platform exists is to generate the money. So as expected, this has taken uh, quite a while. So we're going to end the show here. Um, we will be doing, or the plan is, unless Google release some great new features or decide to do a um, beginning of October core update. <laughs> we'll do a Q&A. Uh, we'll do a Q&A episode next Monday. So that will be the 7th of October. Is that right? Yeah, 7th of October. Um, so if you do have any questions about SEO or PPC that you would like to hear discussed, or you have some specific SEO questions and you're struggling to get decent answer from them, um, we can do our best to try and give you a decent answer. Feel free to email them to me at mark at withcanda.co.uk or you know you can find me on Google. It's very easy to do. Um, so please give us those questions. Um, otherwise, as usual, the show notes are online at search.withcanda.co.uk. Um, did I talk about the transcriptions in this ep in this version B? 
I did already. Yeah, and I'm I'm having trouble between remembering what was in version A and what was in version B and what we've covered and what we haven't. It's like we're in a parallel universe or something. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to wrap it up. Um, I hope that you will subscribe if you're not already, and I hope you will continue listening. Please give us feedback, and I hope you have an absolutely brilliant week. I'll see you later. Goodbye.